Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. All right, everybody, welcome back to the EquipCast. Uh, my name is Jim Jansen, and I am your host uh, today for the EquipCast. I am so excited about this episode. I've got uh, really got yeah, good, two good friends, uh, long, long time friendships here. Um, we're going to have an awesome uh, conversation about finding Jesus hiding in the poor. Uh, some of you may be aware, uh, Hope of the Poor is a national and international ministry. And we're joined today by uh, the founders of Hope of the Poor, Mr. Craig Joring and Mr. Danny Ledger. Gentlemen, how are you? Good. Fantastic. Uh, it's great to be here. All right, guys. So you are Nebraska natives. Uh, give everybody a little bit of a little little bit of the background, kind of your personal stories. Craig, why don't you start off, and then Danny can jump in here. Awesome. I grew up on a farm in northeast Nebraska. Went to college, and then after college, I wanted to uh, I wanted to, to to be a missionary and and be a part of leading people to Christ. And so I've essentially done that ever since college. I've been a missionary, uh, seeking to evangelize people. Okay. Now, how did that happen? Because that's just not. I mean, sad to say, that's not the typical college students, like, you know, graduation, post-graduation path. Can you give us just a little bit of the whole, like, I wanted to be a missionary? It started when I was a child, and I would see people that were poor, that were left out, and I had a heart for helping them. And I also was one of those people who was left out and alone. And uh, I, I just, from day one, wanted to help people come to know Jesus. That's awesome. Danny, what's your, you're a Nebraska boy too here. Yeah, I grew up in, uh, in Omaha, Nebraska. I, my parish was St. Elizabeth Ann's. I grew up really involved in youth group and with, with music. And uh, from when I was very young, I, I just, I knew I loved the church and I loved being um, involved in, in the sacraments. And my, I guess I had a really good foundation with my family, maybe a little dysfunctional, but like just really a good Catholic family that, that taught me that Jesus was real and I needed to have a personal relationship with him. It taught me how to pray. And then through just awesome priests and often awesome youth ministry at uh, St. Elizabeth Ann's, I had a pretty profound encounter with Christ and with, uh, God the Father, especially uh, through that youth ministry experience, that I think really shaped the rest, the rest of my life for sure. Mm. I think I got a little distracted for a few years with like a punk rock band, but eventually, <laughs> I love music and I <laughs> don't don't we all, Danny? Yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> but I think I I uh, really I found music to be a big part of my life and something I really enjoyed. But eventually my desire for fame and fortune to be a rock star kind of faded. And I wanted to use music as a tool to bring people closer to God. And as I kept doing that and kept volunteering and helping out with my youth ministry program, I just realized I wanted to, I wanted to bring people closer to Christ. I wanted to evangelize and music was a great tool. Youth ministry was a great tool, but as I started to do more and more, ministry, I started always seeking out really, really great tools for evangelization. And when I met Craig 
and found out what he was doing with the poor, I've always had a heart for service. But when I saw what he was doing, and I, I really experienced with him what Mother Teresa experienced, is encountering Christ in the mm. poor. And not only was that a beautiful gift to me personally, but it was an amazing gift and tool for evangelization to bring people into an encounter with Christ in the distressing disguise of the poor. And after Craig and I went, met, we started dreaming about this ministry. So. I remember that, uh, you know, Craig and I have been friends with many years, goes back to our, our campus ministry days. Uh, but I remember when, you know, like shocking, you know, to those who are not from Nebraska in our audience, not everybody in Nebraska uh, knows each other automatically. <laughs> uh, so despite the fact that you guys both grew up in Nebraska, you didn't know each other. Both had, yeah, flourishing ministries, music ministry, youth ministry, ministry to the poor, evangelism. And then the Lord brings you together uh, tell us a little bit about Hope of the Poor. Tell us about your, your day job. Well, Jim, I work in Mexico City. I've been there for 14 years, and I started out in campus ministry where we met probably 15 years mm -hmm. ago, and I uh, loved it, uh, but I took a job in Mexico City. I was working with university students and spending part-time with the poor and started working with street kids and victims of human trafficking. And my heart was captured mm. and I wanted to do that full time. I left the campus ministry after, after being there for three years and stepped into serving the poor full time. And I, I loved it. And I uh, just would take on one community of street kids at a time. And uh, I, was home, I was home visiting one of my friends and he told me about this amazing person who had this great music uh, that he sang and everything. And, uh, and he gave me the CDs of Danny, actually. And I listened to those CDs. I just had a feeling like, I think I'm going to know this guy. And I think we're going to work together. And I really liked his music. So uh, that's kind of how it started. Then when we met, we just instantly started talking about, like, let's combine our ministries and bring your music ministry, all your youth group experience with all my years of campus ministry and working with the poor. And let's, let's use our gifts and let's use our calling to work with the poor to evangelize. There's so many stories I want to pursue from what you said there. But I just, just that last thing you said, I think it's worth diving into for a moment because, you know, the organization is called Hope of the Poor. And you mentioned you work with street kids and trafficking victims and, you know, whole communities and families at the dump. And yet you would say that the central aim of Hope of the Poor is to evangelize. Talk a little bit more about that, because I, I mean, there is no real conflict there. But I think in some people's minds, I just, just want to highlight that, that, that those two go together in Hope of the Poor uh, in a very clear way. Would you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd love to. Well, first of all, um, I really feel like God gave us this name in, called Hope of the Poor. And I, um, I'm always really quick to point out that it's not hope for the poor. I've spent my time with the poor over the years, hanging out with the poor, dining with them, just sitting on the street, uh, listening to them and knowing their stories. And I want to, I want to look at ministering to them and serving them 
from their perspective. What is the hope of the poor? Do they want uh, someone to cook them food? Do they want someone to give them things? Maybe, and probably yes, because the poor are always hungry. But what the poor want is they want to see Jesus. And they want to be treated with respect. And everyone wants to receive dignity. And so we want to, like, as of hope of the poor is to look at the poor from their perspective, like they want to see Jesus. And then when we translate that over to another audience, which is like, you know, every, everybody who wants to serve the poor or help the poor, we really believe that the poor help bring us to Christ because they are the suffering Christ to us and they bring us close to Christ. That's beautiful. And I mean, I, you would think that that would be maybe a common vision, but I, I find that not only inspirational, I find it, I don't know, kind of sadly unique that oftentimes it seems like ministries that recognize the call to proclaim the gospel uh, and to evangelize and ministries that recognize the call to serve Christ in the poor often never bring those two together. I just want to invite you guys to share some stories. Like, how do you bring that together? All of our encounters with the poor are this beautiful gift. You know, when we encounter Christ in the poor, that, that, that encounter is something that we want to share. That's something that we want to proclaim from the rooftops. Like we met Jesus in this person and, and it was a profound experience for us, but, but it sets us on fire in a way where we want to share that story. Like we want to share the gospel. And so for us, it's all connected. Like we, we just, we love serving the poor and we love sharing the gospel, but the poor for us is this, this amazing gift for encountering Christ. So for our spirituality, like we want to stay close to the sacraments. We want to encounter Jesus in the Eucharist. We want to experience him in the sacrament of reconciliation. And in that distressing disguise of the sacraments, we always encounter Jesus. But at the same time, we want to encounter Jesus in the distressing disguise of the poor. One story that comes to mind is one time we were hanging out with uh, Father Kider up in uh, Cedar County, and he had all this stuff for us to do. We were speaking at the school, and we did music for a mass and an adoration, and did a retreat, and it was just like awesome Jesus moments, like mountaintop uh, retreat experiences, uh, Eucharist, adoration, all of this powerful, powerful sacramental encounters, right? That were so amazing. And it was like, oh man, this is so awesome. And then on the way home, or right when we were getting ready to leave, he goes, I have one more job for you. And I'm like, oh, Father, it's been a long weekend. I'm tired. I just want to get home. He's like, but we had just got done telling him about our charism, our spirituality. We're like, well, we really want to encounter Christ in the Eucharist and in the sacraments. And then we want to encounter Christ in the poor. And he goes, well, how are you going to do that today? And I said, I'm going to go home and take care of my poor wife. <laughs> but, but he goes, I have one thing for you to do. And he says, I want you to stop off at this nursing home. That's awesome. And I want you to just talk to this guy. He's in a, in a home in a small town and there's none of the nurses speak Spanish. And you guys speak Spanish. So, you know, you could just mm. say a few words to him. And I was like, oh, father, it's like a little out of my comfort zone. 
just kidding. But, <laughs> but it was, I just, I wanted to get home. I didn't, you know, want to do anything else. And so I had to, I had to stretch myself in that moment, kind of just show up and just be like, all right, I don't even know where I'm going. I've never been here before, but I know there's going to be a grace in this experience. And I walk through, or we came in and we walked through the door and we're like, is there a Mr. Flores here? And they said, yeah, he's having lunch over there. And we walked up to him and we didn't know if he was Catholic. We didn't know anything, but he had a big rosary around his neck. And we're like, all right, this is going to be good. And so we started to say a few words in Spanish. And when we did, he just, he lit up and we realized very quickly he was nonverbal. He couldn't talk, but he could hear us. And we knelt down beside him and just spoke to him for a little while and prayed with him. And he embraced us. And I gave him this little uh, card of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And then we left. And it was, you know, it was five, 10 minutes. But as I stepped across the threshold out into the parking lot, I just burst into tears. And, and the reason was I had just spent all weekend encountering Christ, being filled up by the sacraments, by the Eucharist. But I needed to give it away. And so in that moment, I got to encounter Christ in the distressing disguise of the poor. And he was a gift to me. Yes, he just thought like two angels just showed up and prayed with him in his native language and then like gave him our lady Guadalupe and then disappeared. He encountered Christ in that moment, but we encountered Christ, the suffering Christ on the cross in him, in Mr. Flores. And my heart was just so filled that it was just, it was exploding. It was breaking. It was, it, it was an encounter that, that I have to share because I encountered Christ in the distressing disguise of the poor. Man, that's, that is awesome, Danny. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think, you know, so much of your, your ministry, I, I've been blessed. I've been on two, uh, three, actually four. Okay. Hope of the poor. And I have a great memory. If I might say, uh, I've been on four hope of the poor mission trips, two to Alaska, two to Mexico city. So many, yeah. Mountaintop moments. Um, you know, working with street kids, you know, at the dump, remote fishing village in Alaska. There's something about, you know, finding Jesus in the poor, in our own backyard and our own families. I mean, you joked, right? Like, I'm going to go take care of my poor wife. Leave me alone. But like, there, there is something about that. Talk a little bit about how you all try to help people have the eyes to see the poor among us. And what I mean is like, you know, most, most of our listeners here are, you know, from, uh, well, I mean, it just, if you're living in the United States to begin with, you're probably relatively uh, well off, but most of our, our listeners, you know, are, are comfortable. We're not, uh, it, it may not feel like we have the poor, certainly not the, like street kids and like kids, you know, like the families of the dump. It may feel like, we don't have access to the poor or there's no poor around us. How do you help people have eyes to start to recognize the ordinary opportunities to live mercy and to find Jesus hiding in the poor? Because frankly, you know, going to, I mean, you guys welcome hundreds of people on short-term mission trips every year, but not everybody can do that. How can people find Christ in the poor 
in their everyday lives? We always say you got to find your own mission field. You know, uh, Mother Teresa, she would always say you got to find your own Calcutta. And we, you know, we work in the city dump. There's a thousand people that live and work there without running water, without electricity. They live digging through the trash every day. And, you know, for, so they can make like $15 a week. They, these are the poorest of the poor. But when people come on those short-term missions that you're talking about, Jim, you know, we tell them, just like Mother Teresa, go home and find your own dump. Find your own place to encounter Christ in the poor. We had to do this during during COVID, especially me. I couldn't go back and forth to Mexico. I couldn't go back and forth um, to, to Alaska. I, I love to go up and serve and do music with the kids up in, in Winnebago at St. Augustine's. And I, there's just a lot of things that I, I couldn't do. And I needed to find my own mission field. I needed to find my own dump here or back in Nebraska at home. So I started looking around, like, where is there a place for me to serve? Where is there people who are lonely, left out, unloved, ostracized, bullied, picked on? Where are there people that are that, that distressing disguise of the poor? You know, we don't, in, in the U.S., we don't have as many of the same poverties, I guess you'd say. There's more safety nets here in the U.S., but that doesn't mean we don't have the poor all around us. You know, it's not that mm-hmm. you could, you don't have to go very far to find people who are lonely, left out, ostracized, you know, like you can find those people all around, but for hope of the poor, we always want to go to places that maybe no one's willing to go, or maybe there are people serving, but there's just maybe a need that wasn't being met. And so we started just scouting around, uh, Omaha and we ended up down by the, the Sienna Francis house and noticed that there's, they've got housing there, right? They've got shelter. And then we hung out a little longer and we noticed that they would go over to the Holy Family Church and they would get clothes at the closet ministry, which is a beautiful ministry. And then we noticed that right around the corner from there, they could get food at Holy Family Church. And so they've got all of these ministries. They've got food, clothing, shelter. And and it was, you know, a lot of their physical needs being met. And this was so beautiful. We're like, well, there's just not a big need like we have in Mexico. We're like, well, what do we have to offer that where we could come alongside these amazing ministries, partner with them in a way, and, and bring our charism to the table? And we just got this inspiration. We uh, started a co- we just set up a, like a little coffee stand right out in front of the church. And we got cream and sugar and some hot coffee and People just walk by on their way to get clothes or get food or on their way home to the Santa Francis house. And they stop by and grab a hot cup of coffee. But that gives us an opportunity, not just to hand out coffee, but to encounter Christ in the poor. See, for us, the the service, Mm -hmm. whether we show up at the dump with food or we show up on the street and we have clothes and shoes to hand out, the service for us is just an excuse. It's an excuse to hang out with the poor. Mm. And so we needed that excuse to hang out in Omaha and just encounter them, to be able to talk with them, to hear their stories, to share the gospel, to pray with them. And and it's as simple as just hanging out with a pot of coffee um, where we have amazing encounters with the poor right in the streets of downtown Omaha. Mm. 
say more about that because I, you know, I remember one of one of my trips with with you to the dump. You know, the opportunity it was. I think it was a birthday party. Uh, we had tamales and a cake and a pinata, um, and and just the opportunity that that created. You know, something about a pinata seems to always gather a crowd. Like, talk a little bit about like you're saying like the food is just an excuse to be with the poor. I think it's more than an excuse. It gives us the permission to step into their lives because people are always hungry and people are always thirsty. And so like at a baseline, we should always be giving food and drink. But in the case, like when you came to Mexico City, we went out and there was this kid and he turned, I think 11 years old, wasn't he? His name was Diego. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm really close today with his family, his whole family. But he had never had a birthday party. He had never had a cake. He had mm -hmm. never had a piñata, you know, where they, they, they hit it with a stick and candy comes out. He'd never had that. And so we set up a birthday party right out in the middle of the dump where they were digging through trash and, and finding cans and bottles. And we had a party there. And we just celebrated his birthday. And all the people and all the other kids from the dump came in. And we all celebrated. We ate cake. And we just had an amazing time. And I think in the process, like he, like Diego just felt valued. He felt dignified and he felt like a human being because I think so many times the poor just don't feel like they fit and they don't feel like they belong. But when you treat them, uh, when you treat them with respect and dignity, it just changes their world. I want you to talk a little bit about just, I mean, I hear what you're saying is like that, yes, we, we have to offer food and drink and, you know, help meet people's immediate material needs, but that what you're really doing is you're pouring in love there. I thought it was fascinating. I was just overwhelmed. You know, you, you talked about very early on in, in your ministry. This is one of my first, you know, trips down where you're talking about some of the street kids and you're like, oh yeah, I could get them an apartment today. They'd stay two nights, they'd shower, and then they'd go right back out on the streets because what the apartment didn't provide was community. And as broken and as limited as it might have been, the communities that they lived in on the streets did provide some of that. Talk a little bit about that, because I think that's just mind blowing, you know, for some of us who just like, well, okay, well, let's just, you know, let's just get a bunch of money together and let's get them shoes. Let's get them food. Let's get them an apartment. And there's something more than that at play. I, I, eventually, I want you to tell the story about like just how people's lives really have been transformed and they're getting off the street. But I don't want our listeners to miss that what you're really giving is love. These are people who never receive anything without something being expected for them in return. And so when you give them shoes, when you give them your time, when you look them in the eye, we see a person with the suffering Christ present and they look at us and they see Jesus themselves because they have not been loved unconditionally. Mm. They've probably been loved, but it's been a condition and they had to do something for it or earn it. And when you just show up with food and drink and just like spend time with people, you just step into their lives that way. Man, I, I love that. They've, they've been loved conditionally. That illness, that challenge is not, you're not immune from that just because you live in the suburbs. 
You know, I don't know, I don't know how many people uh, who have great wealth and every material need and more met who have felt all their lives like they're, you know, they're they're having to earn it and they don't yeah, like yeah, like there there's always strings attached to the love if you have good enough grades, if you perform and your job or on and on and on. So Craig, Danny, I want to give you guys an opportunity to to brag a little bit because I think there's this mind-bending challenge that, you know, Americans, we sometimes want to come and we want to fix problems. So we're like, okay, well, you know, like, how do we, yeah, how, how do how do we get to this the root of the system? How do we get people off the streets? How do we fix them? How do we help them? And you're coming, you're like, no, Jesus is here hiding, and I'm here to love Jesus. And I'm giving Jesus a, a tamale, and we're having a conversation. And you're starting with love. Uh, and as as pure as you can muster, just a, a commitment to love these people unconditionally. But you've seen some crazy fruit. I mean, you've seen lives transformed, people coming off drugs, not just having their lives transformed, you know, becoming good citizens, but but actually coming back and serving the poor. Would you just share a little bit? I, I'm thinking about Sandra and so many other friends that I met down there. Do you remember when you were down working with me and we went and visited a whole community of street kids. Mm-hmm. And I at that time it. I had 17 of these, of these kids and they were all addicted to drugs and they were taking this very dangerous inhalant mm-hmm. and they were around 13 to 17 years mm-hmm. old or so. Yeah. And my way of working with them was, was not to go in and fix everything because I knew that their problems were way deeper, deeper than just providing shelter and work, but they needed so much more than that. They needed to be healed by Christ. They'd been tremendously rejected, mm-hmm. tremendously abused, probably at home. And so my way of working with them was just to go down and set with them. And I would just set hour after hour and listen to them. We would always have food, and I would always have drink, and uh, we would just sit and just talk and just be together. Those same kids today, like every one of those kids are completely off drugs. They're working in jobs. They have families. And this is probably like, what, uh, seven or eight years later. Yeah. And it's amazing. Their lives have been healed but it wasn't anything that I did or that I said. It was the power of, of God working in their lives and through me and through other people. Hmm. Talk more about that. Cause I remember being uh, astounded and really edified by the, like the love that they showed. I mean, I had an immediate certificate of, credibility because I was with you, but like the love that they showed, the faith that they showed. I mean, how do you share Jesus with these kids that are living on, on the streets? I think the first thing to know is you're dealing with more than just flesh and blood, but you're dealing with Jesus here. I mm. always feel like I'm hanging out with Jesus when I'm hanging out with someone who's rejected and they're alone and they're, they're lonely. I just mm. feel like I'm, I'm hanging out with the suffering Christ. 
And so my approach when I feel like I'm hanging out with Christ is to just love them unconditionally. And they sense that. Mm-hmm. And people heal in that type of environment. I feel kind of moved to, to share this story. I remember one of the days we were hanging out with the street kids. There was this, um, I think, well-meaning woman uh, who kind of accosted us and was scolding us for feeding them. And I don't remember exactly what, what she said, but it is something to the fact like, no, 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 don't feed them. Don't feed them. You're just going to, you're just encouraging them. You're just enabling them. And I just remember pondering, not that I had never been there in, in my life and, and had maybe similar thoughts, but I remember in that moment I was pondering and it just seemed like the craziest thing in the world to me that her logic was somehow well, if we let them get hungry enough, if we let it get painful enough, then then they'll run back to their abusive homes. Then the it was just the it was just the craziest thought. And I remember when we were when we were talking and, and kind of processing it. He's like, you're like, I'm not there to try and fix it. I don't have any illusions that you know that the that the food or something I'm going to say, or even the, you know, the treatment centers that you were able to take them through, that that's going to fix it. I'm just there to love them and to love Jesus hiding in them, which I think is so powerful because the fruit of that is real transformed lives. That's right. I think my life changed or my approach to like how I wanted to work with the poor changed with this actual group of kids because I had so many people coming up to me because it was in a very public area. There were not tens of thousands, but hundreds of thousands of people who would walk by and mm-hmm. see me hanging out with these kids who were the untouchables. And just to see the disdain that people had, and the, the sense like there's no value in these kids. And even if you would um, get them cleaned up, that there's no value. And I'm like, no, these are actual children of God. They matter. And Jesus died for them. And I remember this one time, like, I think people would view success like, okay, you got them off drugs. Now they got jobs. I'm like, man, I love to share those stories. And I have those stories. But there's also stories of, of people who die. Mm-hmm. And and there was Jesus now. I remember this once one time I took the Audible Bible down and I I played it for this group of kids. And look, we spent the afternoon listening to the book of John, and it was like a dramatized audio version. And this one kid named John Juan, same name as the book, he was just transfixed and he couldn't stop listening and he just wanted to hear more and more and more and his heart was just like so drawn to the words of Jesus in the book of John well this kid was 19 years old and he passed away three weeks after that time Mm -hmm. and I always think of that like this kid loved Jesus so much like Jesus didn't heal him but did that really matter? Because this kid experienced the love of Christ. I believe he's in heaven. And it was amazing. Like, is success just getting someone off the street, off of drugs? And many times it is. But in other times, like, 
these people just want to go to heaven and maybe that's what will happen. Man, that is beautiful. Guys, I want you to talk just a little bit. I mean, Danny, you mentioned it earlier, you know, that uh, COVID forced you into a self-examination. So, okay, well, where is, you know, I need to find my Calcutta. I need to find my my dump anew. You all, you work in, you know, Mexico City. In fact, I, I don't know if we mentioned it. You're, you're in Mexico City right now. So if you, if you guys... <laughs> Yeah, forgive us if the audio is a little, a little choppy today because they're they're actually down in Mexico City. You work in Alaska, and you've been doing more work lately in Nebraska. Maybe as we as we start to wrap up here, talk a little bit about your work here in Nebraska, and specifically how how people might be able to participate. Well, um, right now everything that we're doing is is pretty new. We're just kind of. Uh, pioneering some new territory for hope of the poor. Uh, it's just making new friends with with the poor and the homeless uh, in the downtown uh, Omaha metro area and in Council Bluffs and other places like that. Um, right now, we have on the calendar, we have a few focus college missions on the calendar for uh, March, maybe April and May. But we're down there all the time. And we even have, you know, other missionaries. Scott Watts is, is down there hanging out. And, and you, if you guys just want to come down on a, on a random morning, you can contact us and just hang out. We can drink coffee in the cold and, <laughs> and, uh, and hang out with the That's awesome. Where do, where do people contact you if they want to drink coffee in the cold? Uh, you can go to hopeofthepoor.org. And then there you can message us through our website, hopeofthepoor.org. Dot org. Can you guys also talk about your parish missions? Because we haven't even touched on that. You you serve the poor. You teach people how to find Christ hiding in the poor. By directly, it's like, okay, come on, you're with me. Pass out these tamales. You, you, you do all that, but you also do parish missions where, Danny, your, your music, uh, stories, uh, really, you, you proclaim the, the gospel uh, right here, you know, in parishes here in the Midwest and in Nebraska. Talk a little bit about the, the parish mission experience with Hope of the Poor. Yeah, we've had amazing opportunities uh, to, to bring kind of our, our uh, mission on tour <laughs> all the way all the way down to Panama at World Youth Day a few years ago. We, and we've been across the country. And, but we're back in Nebraska a lot. It's, it's our hometown, our, our home state. And so we, when we're home, we love to hang out with the parishes, with, with schools, with university students, um, and, and really bring the mission field to them. When we started Hope of the Poor, we knew we wanted to bring people to the mission field for them to encounter Christ, but not everyone can come. And so we thought, well, what if we could bring the mission field to them? And so we started showing up in churches and in grade schools and middle schools and high schools and just bringing the songs and stories from the mission field to inspire people. And, and just to share the gospel, to share our work. We've got tons of songs. We've got tons of stories from the mission field that just inspire people. Uh, and they're engaging, they're entertaining, they're fun, they're great for all ages. And, and yeah, we've, we've done up to four or five night parish missions and we've done just 45 minutes in a, in a, in a grade school. And so and we, can, we can do it all and we love it because like I said, not everyone can come down to Mexico with us, but 
we are willing to go anywhere that people will have us. So, And I, I can say, having experienced that in my parish before I came here to Omaha, it is fantastic. Like, it's fun. Like, Danny has a special gift as a musician, but there's some weird freaky charism where he can get people who I really didn't think had hands yeah, that I didn't think they were capable of clapping and you've been able to engage people and, and draw them into the moment, which, I mean, I, you know, kind of behind the scenes, like you're using music to open people's hearts so they can receive from the Lord directly so they can receive the, the stories and the, really the proclamation of the gospel. It's, it's a fabulous, fabulous night and experience. So highly recommend any of the school, our school leaders who are listening, you know, parents, uh, you know, anybody in a parish, like this is, this is a great, uh, great opportunity. And you guys are probably just a touch more available now because normally your spring would be back to back to back to back mission trips, but they actually might be, people might be able to, to get on your calendar uh, for a parish or a school mission. Uh, thank you, COVID-19. Exactly. Jim, I come home every time we can get a, we get a chance to do a parish mission. I absolutely love parish missions. We've done uh, several times, we've done four night parish missions. And that's so amazing because you get to just like pour into people's lives every night and tell a different part of the gospel and the poor, the stories of the poor. It's super fun. We love it so much. And we're not even scratching the surface on the, on these stories too. There's like a couple of stories that I'm like, oh man, we didn't, we didn't tell the, the bus sloshing vomit story, which is a really good, I'll say, we'll save it. You guys can just tell it. If somebody wants to hear the, uh, hear about sloshing vomit uh, with street kids on a bus, you'll you just have to wait for a mission. Um, guys, as we, as we close here, we call this the equip cast. We always want to give people and our, our goal is to help equip people uh, for their particular God-given mission. You talked about everybody kind of finding their own Calcutta. Just, can you just, as we close here, give them, some, give them some practical takeaways. Like, how do I learn to find Christ hiding in the poor? How do I find my own Calcutta? Just leave us with a couple of practical nuggets here. Um, I can start, and then Craig, you can clean up after anything I forgot. <laughs> For us, what we always try to do is just show up. A lot of times, like with the ministry I was talking about with the coffee, like we didn't know exactly that that would work. Mm. You know, we, we were just like, uh, we'll just hang out and see what happens. And, and you know what? It worked. And then, but we tried a couple other things that didn't work. And so um, there's, for, for us to, to just show up is, is really important, like even without a plan and let God work because he's going to give you some inspiration, but show up where, well, there's a lot of places that you can go mm. to where you can volunteer at a soup kitchen, at, at a shelter. Um, there's many places, especially in Omaha, there's a lot of places that you can connect and serve. And, and so doing that is a great idea, but what I would encourage people to do is don't just stay behind the soup kitchen counter. If you have opportunities to just look someone in the eye and love them, just see mm -hmm. them as like, this is Jesus right in front of me. Um, and, and maybe you can have a conversation, but just acknowledge them. One of my favorite things to do is as I'm driving around, maybe I've got a couple dollars 
maybe I've got a little pack with a holy card and a granola bar in it or something. But every time I see one of those guys at the sign with the sign at the intersection or the off ramp on the interstate, I take that opportunity to encounter Christ in that guy. And I only have seconds. Mm -hmm. Maybe I hand the dollar out the door and yeah, maybe he's going to go buy beer or drugs or something like that, you know, and that's not good, but I'm not judged on what he does with what I give. I am judged on how I give though. But for me, I don't care about either of those things. I'm not judged by what he does. I'm judged by what I do. Yeah, what that's, I give. that's something important to keep in mind because I think we wow. can we can be like, well, they're just going to use it for something bad. So it gives us an excuse to give. But you don't have to worry about that. You're not judged on what he does with that money. But we are judged on how we give. So we keep that in mind. We take Matthew 25, uh, 25, 40 very seriously. Whatever you do to the least of these, you did it to me. Jesus says, we, we take that very seriously. And Jesus mm -hmm. promises us that um, he is in the poor in that scripture. Like he's saying, I am in the poor. And he also says that the poor will always be with us. Well, that means it's not a problem for us to solve. Mm. And so for us, the poor are not a problem to be solved. They're a gift and an opportunity to encounter Christ. And when we have Jesus promising us that he will always be with us in the poor, that is our, our perspective. That's how we look at those, those kind of difficult situations. But when I see that guy on the side of the street, I'm like, I am going to spend a dollar just so I can have an excuse to say, hey, bro, what's your name? Like, I'll be praying for you. And, and and not just handing it out the door mm. without making eye contact, but look at him and acknowledge that he's a person, that he is made in the image and likeness of God, and that, that that means a lot to them, that you looked at them, that you acknowledged them. Sometimes that's what they're really out there for. That's what they really need more than anything. Before the shutdown, I would have between 300 and 350 people come to Mexico on a short-term mission trip. Some would stay for four nights, five, six, seven. And every time it seemed like people's hearts were just moved by the poor. And so many college students and others would want to just come back and like, I wanna just come back and work with you and pour my life into these poor. And I would always tell them like, actually you should go home because on your college campus, I think are the poorest of the poor, like the people that are most left out that I've ever seen outside of Mexico are on the college campus. Mm -hmm. Mother Teresa would have people come over and they would want to work with her and they would ask permission like, mother, can I come over and just be with you full time? And she wrote this letter to someone like that. And she said, no, don't come to Calcutta because the poorest of the poor are in your homes your churches, your schools, and in your families. That's what I would say. Like, I think it's one of the hardest things to start doing, but to see the poor in your families, in your churches, in your homes, and in your schools, and encounter Christ in those people first, and then uh, in the rest of the world. Man, that is, that is fantastic. Gentlemen, where can people find out more about hope of the poor if they're if they're interested in 
either a short-term mission trip, God willing, someday, or if they're interested in a parish mission, where can they find out more about Hope of the Poor? Best to go to our website, hopeofthepoor.org. You can message us through there. Our phone numbers are on there. You can call us. Another place is we have a Facebook group, Hope of the Poor, and you can follow us there. And we also have an Instagram page. Yeah. And Danny, you have you have your own little channel here on Spotify, Danny Ledger Music. Uh, Danny and then L-E-G-G-E-R, Danny Ledger Music. Um, so for, for the listening, for folks who want to get a taste of the music, yeah, you can you can get it at Danny Ledger Music. It's on Spotify. I don't know, just search my name. D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-G-E-R. All right, Danny Ledger Music. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, thank you uh, for for the poor, for uh, the uh, the rich who well need to discover uh, Christ hiding in the poor. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Good luck. I know you guys are still down in Mexico for a little while longer. So uh, Godspeed uh, when you come home and look forward to connecting when you get back to Nebraska. And for those of you listening, thank you. Uh, this is, again, good friends. We're just scratching the surface on, on the stories here from Hope of the Poor. If you'd like to find out more about Hope of the Poor, uh, go to their website, hopeofthepoor.org. If you'd like to stay Connected to the EquipCast, you can find us on all the major podcasting platforms, EquipCast, all one word. And if you want to subscribe to the blog, it is equip.archomaha.org. There you'll find show notes. We'll link to the uh, website, uh, Spotify for Danny, uh, Ledger Music, that you can find all you need there. And um, thanks for being with us. 